Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Although yesterday was a great day for the Atlanta Braves. Producing this podcast is Taylor Schwink, the reverend from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut. I'm Buster Only working sort of a baggage claim version of the end of the world series, Taylor. Because I'm in the Houston airport. You're going to hear calls in the background. Uh, I'm not really going to hear them. Because, you know, I'm still overwhelmed uh, by the sound from last night's game, the lack of sleep overnight, and a lot of text messages from my 17-year-old son, Jake, who is a huge Braves fan. Yeah, let's let's work through a couple of these things here. So how is Jake doing, uh, you know, with, you know, seeing his team win a championship? What an amazing moment for him. Yeah, and he's a really loyal fan, and his favorite teams are not, you know, he didn't go on the bandwagon, are the Tennessee Titans, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Atlanta Braves. And so I was texting back and forth with him last night, and he was talking about how cool it was to see them win. Uh, And I asked him if he was getting emotional. He goes a little, which means he probably was a lot. So that was really cool. Very nice. Well, Buster, hopefully you can catch some sleep today. The offseason has officially begun, and you know, we joke, but this is a Braves podcast, so shout out to our team, the Atlanta Braves, uh, as we've been supporters all year long. Uh, Oh my goodness, listen to you, a Braves (laughs) podcast. Oh my God. No, I don't want want anyone to take that. All right, Braves, Astros last night in Houston, and in the top of the third inning, Jorge Soler came to the plate with two runners on base, and boy, did he look hitterish. There they go, and the 3-2 hit high in the air, deep left field, and it is going to leave the ballpark. Over the train tracks and into the night. He made one mistake too many. Hung a breaking ball right over the middle of the plate, and Jorge Soler destroyed it. And it is 3-0 Atlanta. 446 feet estimated distance on that home run by Jorge Soler. Max Fried was pitching great. Uh, he would wind up lasting six innings, and he got support in the fifth from Dansby Swanson. 2-2, and a fastball hit to left field. Hit well, and it is gone. Dansby Swanson takes Christian Javier deep again for the second time in the series. It is now 5-0 Atlanta. And leave it to Freddie Freeman to apply the coup de gras in the top of the fifth and the top of the seventh. The 3-1. And a breaking ball hit to left center field. Hit pretty well. Siri going back. Siri will have to play it off the wall. Soler around third on his way home. He will score without a throw on a double to deep left center by Freeman. And it is six to nothing Atlanta. And the 1-1. And it's hit well to deep center field. Left center, Siri back, it's gone. Wow, what a shot to left center. Up into one of those balconies way out there, dropped by a fan, so it would have fell back down onto the track. But a long home run by Freddie Freeman, and it is 7-0 Atlanta. And the Atlanta relievers that followed Max Freed were terrific. Here was the final call from the great Dan Schulman on ESPN Radio. And a very memorable playoff run with everything they've overcome. The 0-2, a swing and a bouncer to short. Swanson has it. The throw across to Freeman, and that'll do it. The Atlanta Braves defeat the Houston Astros 7-0. 
and they win the World Series in six games. As the celebration begins out behind the mound here at Minute Maid Park, what a run they got on a couple of months ago and just stayed on through the month of October and into early November. And congratulations to Alex Anthopoulos, Brian Snitker, and the Atlanta Braves. They are the World Series champions. Yeah, Dan did a great job in the World Series call on, on the radio with Jessica Mendoza and Eduardo Perez. In that scrum on the field, I caught up with Freddie Freeman. How does it feel, Freddie? Winning the World Series. Oh, my gosh. That's the greatest words you could possibly say. I'm absolutely numb inside right now. This is everything you work for, everything you dream for. And year after year, it didn't happen, and finally it happened. Uh, man, Buster, this is, this is awesome. Describe that last out from your perspective, knowing that you caught the ball. What'd you do with it? Yeah, well, the ball's in my back pocket still right now. But, can um, you pull it out? I can pull it out. It's right here. I got it. It's already authenticated and everything. So um, right when I saw that ball hit, you know you could see the depth, and you knew that was going right to Dansby. So. And then he threw it to me, and what a, what a cool moment when I was seeing that ball, and I knew I was going to catch it. So absolutely incredible. What a crazy year for you. Yeah. Sun's born December 30th, Valentine's yeah. Day, everything that happened. Put it into words. It's, uh, I don't know if there is words for that. What a crazy year. I showed up late to spring training because, you know, I only got to see my son for 12 days before I had to leave and didn't see him for 40 days and started off rough. And then what? It just ends the perfect way. It really does. So, oh my gosh, we're world champions, Buster. <laughs> How much did Solaire's home run mean in that moment? Uh, it's the best thing ever. Just uh, get us on the board. That was huge. He put it together in another amazing at bat. He's been doing it all postseason. So, that was huge for us. Ready? Thank you. Thank you. Marley Rivera caught up with World Series MVP Jorge Soler. Jorge, thank you for being with us. First of all, you guys, te voy a decir en español primero. Después que pierden en la casa, ¿cómo es posible que ustedes se recuperan de la manera que lo hicieron hoy? After losing at home, and a lot of people thinking you lost the momentum, what happened today? How were you able to do what you did today? Perdimos en la casa y, ¿sabes? Todavía teníamos la ventaja 3 a 2 y dijimos que no íbamos a jugar dos juegos aquí. La mente, la, la mente era ganar hoy el primer juego aquí, gracias a Dios se dio. We knew that we lost at home, but the most important thing for us was we knew that there was not going to be a game seven. We wanted to end it today on game six. Jorge, tú obviamente con ese honronazo que terminó por allá encima, un honron de 446 pies. Cuéntame de ese turno. That 446 footer home run. Talk to me about that at bat. En ese turno él me tiró casi, él me tiró casi todos los picheos. Uh -huh. En eh, tres y dos me le di buenos pasos, le estaba cogiendo buen turno y se le quedó el slide jangueado y gracias a Dios lo pude conectar. He was throwing a lot of really good pitches, but at least in that three and two, he actually threw a slider that he hung, and I actually was very lucky to connect with that one and get the lead. I spoke with Max Fried. Max, congratulations. How does it feel? This is crazy. Um, still doesn't really feel real yet. It's I'm just so happy to be here and be able to do this with this group. Like this, this group of guys have been through so much this year, and to be able to finish it like this, it's uh, it's a storybook ending. It's crazy. How did that play in the first inning affect you on the mound? It almost seemed like it made you mad. It was one of those things where I kind of I knew I had to make the play, and I missed it, and I I thought it was going to be a double play, and I just I just misread it, and I knew at that point it was either. Don't basically don't let what happened, what happened the last game happen again. Just try to do everything, just give it everything you got. 
was the last game of the year for me, so I just wanted to leave, make sure I left everything out there. How does it feel to see Freddie Freeman get this championship? I couldn't be happier for this. You know, he's been through everything. He's been through the the ups, the downs. Uh, you know, he he's you know, the face of the Atlanta Braves, and to be able to come through and do what he's done and be able to perform, especially the way he did tonight, to be able to help extend the lead, it's I couldn't be happier for him. How much did Solaire's home run help you? Oh, it's, you know, anytime that you get out to a good lead, it just helps you go out there and attack a little bit more, knowing that the solo home run doesn't beat you anymore, and you're going to be a little more aggressive in the zone, and, uh, you know, the, these guys have been doing it all year, though. You know, they, they get out to an early lead, and my job is to just hold it right there. Max, congratulations. Back to you. Here's Dusty Baker in the post-game press conference being asked the question, does he want to manage the Astros again next season? Yeah, because still got some unfinished business, you know, and I, I mean, I love these guys over here. You know, I, I love the town of Houston. The fans are behind us. You know, these guys, you know, they gave it their all. I mean, they played through adversity, through a lot of stuff this whole year. You know, we just kind of, you know, ran out of gas pitching-wise. You know, I mean, our guys were, you know, nobody complained, nobody alibied, you know, and I'm not going to alibi, you know, like we got outplayed tonight. You know, what can you do except go home, take a shower, figure out how you're going to come back and win it next year? I mean, look, last year we got one game short of the World Series. And this year we were two games short of the, of the uh, championship. So I guess that's progress. Here's Jose Altuve. They played really good, you know, since game one all the way to today. They they did an amazing job. We did everything we could. They deserved what they had. Carlos Correa addressed the possibility he's now played his final game in Houston. That's the only thing that was going through my mind, to be honest. A lot of feelings, mixed emotions. I spent seven years with this club. Yeah, it was, it, it's, it was going through my mind for sure. Braves manager Bryant Snitker talked about what Freddie Freeman means to the Braves. He's everything that the Braves epitomize. I mean, when you talk about a Braves-type player, it's Freddie Freeman. How he comes to play every day, what he does in our community, the person that he is, the influence he has on on all of his teammates, me in particular. I don't know what I'd do without him, quite honestly. I mean, he's my rock, too. I mean, that's like I, I go to him with things. I've been with him since the first day he came here in the big leagues. You know, he's everything that the Braves stand for. He was asked if he could imagine Freeman in another uniform. You know, personally, no. You know, I think just Freddie Freeman is, a, is an Atlanta Brave. You never know, though. I mean, there's been bigger things that have happened in my career, but can I imagine it? No. Do I hope he signs back here? Absolutely. But you just, you never know in this business what's going to happen. First Pitch is part of ESPN Nation, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, couple things to promote. First of all, thanks to everyone who listened to the entire postseason on ESPN Radio. And, and shout out to our whole team behind the glass over here. Uh, they did an amazing job putting that on and uh, setting us cuts in the morning and highlights for us to play. I mean, they're they're just spectacular over there. So, so thank you to the whole ESPN remote radio crew to uh, go a little inside radio here. Uh, on to the promotions. First, you got to listen to Swagoo and Perk. 
Marcus Spears, Kendrick Perkins, ESPN's newest podcast. They're talking NBA. They're talking NFL. They're talking to big names in entertainment. They're talking about their lives. It's a great show. Swagoo and Perk, listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, NBA Today, that's on ESPN, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. You can also listen to that wherever you get your podcasts and watch it on the ESPN app, one app, one tap, and one final note, the ESPN College Football Podcast. It's five days a week, Sunday through Thursday, and we switch things up on Tuesday with Reese Davis and David Pollock. They are now uh, doing their show at night following the ranking show, so we did our first post-ranking show last night, uh, and a lot, of, a lot of consternation around the fact that Cincinnati did not land in the top four despite, despite being undefeated and having a road win against Notre Dame. So check out the ESPN College Football Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus. A Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Welcome to the show! Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. David Schoenfield, who covers baseball for ESPN. And Dave, uh, look, a uh, full confession, I've had about an hour's sleep. Uh, I went up writing until about 2 o'clock last night and then uh, got up at 3.30 to uh, pack my bag and get to the airport here. You can hear in the background, in case you're wondering where the next flights are headed uh, in Houston. Um, so I-, I think today I'm going to really need to lean on you for some cogent thoughts. How does that sound? 
I'll give it my best thought. And uh, uh, the end of the baseball season, it's always a sad time, but I know Braves fans are very happy. After all, they went 16 postseason appearances without winning a World Series, which is the most ever. So congratulations to a franchise that's really been very successful for 30 years now. Yep. And there's no doubt about it. They were very well supported uh, by all their fans, you know, not only uh, during the postseason at Truist Park in the World Series, but all throughout the season, finishing second in attendance. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to throw out uh, phrases and we'll play a little sort of word association so I don't have to come up with a cogent introduction to these topics. Okay, (laughs) let's do it. All right. Jorge Soler, World Series MVP. Yeah, well-deserved. He had the two biggest hits, right? The go-ahead home run and the 3-2 victory. And then last night's mammoth 440-foot shot, three-run homer. And look, that was the key to this World Series. We can break it down, and we will. But the bottom line, the Braves hit 11 home runs. The Astros hit two. In the entire postseason, teams that out-homered their opponents went 25-2. and I know we like to talk about contact and putting the ball in play and defense and base running, but if you want to win in 2021, you got to hit home runs, and that's what the Braves did. Jorge Soler out-homered the Astros 3-2 to two in this yeah. World Series. If you really want to break it down, yeah. that's where you were. And I got to tell you, you know, I did uh, the game on ESPN Radio last night, and they asked me before the game, uh, you know, give me, give us an X factor. And I said, Jorge Soler, because he was the one hitter. I felt like in the series when, by the time we get to game six, it felt like every time he got in the box, his thought was, you know, looking at the pitcher, you are going to be lucky if I don't hit a home run here. He looked so hitterish yep. through the series and so prepared. And it looked like that the pitchers were completely at his mercy. Yeah, he really was. And remember, he had been terrible for the Royals this year. Even last year, he wasn't good. Um, But this was a guy who led the AL with 48 home runs in 2019. So he's done this before. But as soon as he went over to the Braves, he really was locked in. And then those last three weeks of the regular season, when they moved him up to the leadoff spot, he hit second last night. But when he moved into that leadoff spot, his patience improved. He was drawing walks, and that allowed him to kind of zone in on certain pitches for home runs. Really, you know, as much of a big difference as Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson made, and they all had – they both had – Eddie Rosario, of course. They all had their big moments in the playoffs. But Solaire really kind of solidified that lineup, giving Freddie Freeman an on-base guy in front of him. You know, and uh, he was a huge, huge piece down the stretch. Yeah, I was texting with Dayton Moore, the the uh, head of baseball operations for the Royals during the game last night. And he said they could see Solaire was starting. To, he was just starting to heat up a little bit at the time that they traded him. He said he was really happy for Solaire to, to have that. Freddie Freeman, what uh, what are your thoughts on Freddie? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, organizational, in the organization since 2007, we all know he's the face of the franchise, one of the most well-liked players in the sport, not just among Braves fans, but among players, opponents, uh, well-deserved. And I think I think you could make an argument, Freddie Freeman or maybe Eddie Rosario was the MVP of this postseason, if we can only give it to one guy, right? Well, we'll, we'll talk about that Atlanta bullpen, but... 
He had 304, five home runs in the postseason, 420 on base. But I think you'll agree with this, Buster. More than anything, he affected so much how other managers use their bullpens because they were so focused on, like, can, can I get a lefty in to face Freddie Freeman? And it, it just seems sometimes it led to bad decisions, especially in the in the Dodger series. But great hitter, great human being, and now he's a World Series uh, champion. Yeah, um, and it was fun to interview him after the game and see the emotion in his face for him to catch that last throw and stuff yep. that ball into his back pocket. Uh, he was so happy. And, you know, as we started this, the World Series, he told me an amazing story, and I wrote about it. It's on ESPN.com today. Uh, you know, he, of course, he and his wife, Chelsea, had two baby boys over the course of the last offseason. Um, the first, Brandon, was born December 30th uh, after, you know, Chelsea had trouble getting pregnant. And then they had arranged a surrogate without knowing that Chelsea was going to get pregnant. And so their son, Maximus, was born on February 14th. And Freddie told me uh, the day of game one that uh, after you know leaving his little boys after they were born, it, and to go to spring training in Florida, he was away for them for 40 days, and he thought about quitting. He thought about retiring from baseball and had conversations with Chelsea about it. And she said, hey, whatever you want to do, I'll completely support you. You know, keep in mind that Freddie's, you know, his experience growing up was his dad was always there. He was omnipresent, especially after his mom passed away uh, when Freddie was 10 years old. And so Freddie just thought he was in the wrong place. And then one uh, when he finally got home, he sent the night nanny home for the night. He said, look, I got the boys tonight. He said they both woke up at 5 a.m. and they were smiling at him and they were laughing. He said, then I was good. Like he, he at that point. But, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm glad because Freddie wouldn't have had the experience that he did, uh, you know, last night, which is really cool. Max yeah, Cruz. we we saw oh, just one more thing since you weren't uh, necessarily seeing this on TV when he hit the home run and he said this after the game he could you could look up in the stands and uh, on TV they had a great shot of his wife and Charlie we've all seen the videos of his other son Charlie hitting those home runs so you realize this isn't just for the players that the families get experience this too and that's one of the great things about the World Series. Yep, no doubt about it. Alex Anthopoulos did amazing work at the trade deadline. He couldn't even be at the game six last night because he tested positive for COVID. Uh, Scott <laughs> Miller was the first one to report this. Uh, you know, I followed up on that. I reached out to Alex. He texted back. Yep. Saturday tested positive. Uh, he didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Didn't want anyone to know about it till they won. The good thing for Alex is he at least got saved from getting crushed by the players with champagne because he would have. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no doubt. I don't know if he'll win executive of the year, but it's a reminder. Never give up. You know, we wrote them off right when Ronald Acuna Jr. went down. We said there's no chance. We thought maybe the Mets were going to run away with that division. You know, they were 44 and 45 at the All-Star break. The only other team with a losing record at the break to win the World Series, the 64 Cardinals. They didn't have a winning record until August 6th, but they stuck with it. And obviously everything came together and acquiring those four outfielders, um, one of the great trade deadline maneuvers in history, not just 2021, but by any GM, any year. 
Max Freed with a spectacular start for the Braves, especially within the context of baseball in 2021. Yeah. Uh, dominant after really kind of a scary start. Yeah, you know, and I texted Taylor yesterday that Freed was due for a good game, and I think he'd had a couple se- semi-rough outings his last two starts, but he wasn't really hit hard. He was giving up some infield hits, some bloopers. There was an error or two behind him. So he really wasn't pitching as bad as that box score line looked. So I don't think any of us were necessarily surprised that uh, he came out and threw six shutout innings last night. You wanted to touch on the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about this all year. We heard from your son all year about the Atlanta bullpen, but Will Smith – Tyler Matzik, A.J. Minter, the entire postseason, they went 6-1, and 1.63 combined ERA. Uh, Will Smith, no runs, 6 for 6 in saves. He was huge after a very up-and-down regular season. But if I had to pick one MVP among the relievers, Tyler Matzik, he pitched yeah. in thir- 13 of Atlanta's 16 postseason games. Um he was really just unbelievable. And A.J. Mentor, you know, maybe the key relief outing of the entire postseason, his 2.2 inning effort in game one after Charlie Morton broke his leg. But those three lefties uh, were unbelievable, and they shut down Houston's lefties in the, in the series. Brian Sitker, 45 years in the Braves organization, uh, wins the World Series as manager, uh, there's so much that's cool about him. You know, I love the fact that every day he connects with Bobby Cox, uh, you know, either, you know, going over to his house when he's in Atlanta or sometimes texting through his wife. Uh, and I uh, this gives me a chance to repeat my favorite story about Snit. I asked him a few years ago what he likes to do on an off day. And because it's baseball, you figure he's going to say hunting or fishing. And he kind of looks up because, you know, I like to get a cup of coffee and I like to go to Costco. And walk up and down the aisles and see the merchandise that they had there. That's Brian Snedker. And it was really cool to see him have that moment last night. Yeah, he's got to be the most unassuming manager to ever win a World Series, right? And you could see the emotion on the Braves players last night. Freddie Freeman, you know, he just, when he was asked about Snedker, he just said, amazing human being. He said, Brian Snedker winning the World Series is just the coolest thing ever you know and just like you said 45 years what a reward for a guy that's helped so many brave players for you know four and a half decades uh, you gotta just be so happy for him he is the definition of a baseball lifer and now he's a world series winning manager dusty baker manager of the astros yeah, I mean, it would have been great if Dusty would have won as well. He's got the most wins for any manager who's never won a World Series, 72 years old. And as we know, he's he's not signed for next year. I, I hope Houston brings him back. Um, but Dusty's been here before, manages his team into the playoffs, and he doesn't have a job the next year. So um, I'll be curious to see what happens to him and – I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but I would like to see him in kind of his hybrid playing career slash great managerial career. I hope he still gets in, even though he lost this World Series. Yeah, I think it's this getting into the World Series at uh, 72, I think is going to cement 
his candidacy for the Hall of Fame and he will make a speech to the Hall of Fame. And I said, you know, before that it'll be the most interesting Hall of Fame speech ever <laughs> because of all everybody that Dusty's known throughout his career. I can't imagine they wouldn't bring him back because, my God, has he done a great job as the manager yep. of this team the last two years? Um, and while you know they're going to lose players to free agency, they're still going to have a great core. Uh, last one for you, Carlos Correa, who probably played his last game with the Astros. Yeah, probably. And, you know, I was doing some research on the Houston hitting and they kind of were lucky to get this far. I went back and looking at that White Sox series. And so not to take up too much time here, their average exit velocity in the year was 89.0. Well, in that, in that White Sox series, all four games, they were below that. They were hitting a lot of ground balls up the middle. They went through in that series, but you can't win that way. Eventually, those ground balls are going to turn into outs, and that's what happened. But Carlos Correa, one home run in 16 playoff games. Yuri Gurriel, one home run. Alex Bregman, one home run. Michael Brantley, no home runs. Those four players, three home runs in a combined 64 games in the playoffs. They really didn't hit the whole postseason other than Kyle Tucker and Alvarez in the ALCS and, and Jose Altuve. So their offense, you know, as great as it was, really struggled most of October. All right, Dave. Well, thanks for carrying me in this segment because <laughs> I am really my brain is uh, is, a, is just feels like a word scrap, the scramble, you know, like scrambled eggs with words. Well, you got to what? four months to uh, rest up here. Hopefully not longer, because that would be bad news if you have five or six or seven months to rest up. Exactly. All right, sir. Thank you. All right, Buster. As we went through the World Series, we prepared a piece for SportsCenter in the event that the Braves would win the World Series. Give a listen. To understand how improbable this championship is for the Atlanta Braves, how incredible, you need to know the full context, the depth of their troubles at the All-Star break. Number three batter Marcel Azuna was unavailable following a domestic violence incident. Frontline starter Mike Soroka had been lost to an Achilles injury. And that was all before MVP frontrunner Ronald Acuna Jr. blew out his knee. They're in big trouble without Ronald Acuna Jr. The reason that the Braves were even in contention still is because of Ronald Acuna Jr. This is why general manager Alex Anthopoulos believed it imperative to show his players that he had their backs, and he went to work, trading for outfielder Jock Peterson five days after the Acuna injury. Peterson rocks one to right. Oh, my goodness. And then he picked up Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, and Eddie Rosario. Alex went out at the deadline and got us some guys and just letting us know that we believe in you. With the lineup revitalized, the Braves surged into first place. Third base coach Ron Washington pronounced in a team meeting that thereafter, the other NLE's teams would only see the asses and elbows of the Braves from behind in the standings. Freddie Freeman, the team's leader, recovered from an early season slump. Austin Riley evolved into an MVP candidate. Max Fried spun baseball's best curveball. Ozzie Albies attacked every day with his unique energy, and the outfield newcomers took turns destroying pitchers, including those of the vaunted Milwaukee Brewers and Los Angeles Dodgers. That one is way out of here! Oh my! 
After securing the franchise's first World Series appearance in more than two decades, the grateful Atlanta players drenched Anthopolis with champagne. Is it safe to say that's one of the greatest trade deadlines in MLB history? I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> the team was tested again in the World Series after Charlie Morton suffered a broken leg in Game 1. Manager Brian Snitker found pitching heroes to take down the Astros. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! All year, the Atlanta franchise has worked to honor the late Henry Aaron. This championship will be the enduring tribute worthy of a great and resilient man. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Jumping into the numbers. This is Himbo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Himbo, of course, Paul Mbikidi a researcher at ESPN. You hear uh, he is a honcho on the show, Get Up, and he is uh, Mike Greenberg's sidekick on his radio show, and Hembo, as I described to Dave Schoenfield, I am so sleep deprived that I can't come up with a cogent introduction. So I'm just going <laughs> to throw it out to you. Uh, the topics that you sent me overnight, give me a good number on the Braves lineup. Uh, Buster, the Braves hit 11 home runs in the World Series and allowed only two. That margin, of course, plus nine, is tied for the largest by any team in any postseason series ever. In the 1956 World Series, the Yankees out homer the Brooklyn Dodgers 12 to three. In that series, Yogi hit three homers. Mickey Mantle hit three homers. In this series, Jorge Soler led the Braves with three, but it's been that long since the team out homered its opponent by that much. And I suppose it should come as no surprise that given the way we play baseball today, it was that as the single biggest difference in this series. Yep, there's no doubt about it. What do you got on their bullpen? Well, I have been amazed at what they've been able to cobble together not only in the World Series, but in the LCS, considering Buster, they just dispatched the teams that led both the American and National League League in, uh, in runs during the regular season. Buster, in the World Series this year, the Braves got 20 and two-thirds innings from their starters and 32 and one-thirds innings from their bullpen. It is the fewest innings any collection of starters has ever thrown in a World Series winning series of any length. And it is the most innings that any bullpen has thrown in any World Series win of any length. I suppose it should come as no surprise, given, again, the way that we play baseball today, 
But those are loud numbers, and I think demonstrate how good a job Brian Snitker did with his bullpen and how great a job Alex Anthopoulos did in crafting one that had this kind of success against the, you know, two of the best lineups in the sport. I mean, to allow only 47 runs over 12 games, less than four per game against teams with lineups that were that good is really a remarkable thing. Well, and I, I tell you what, too, it also speaks to the evolution of players, not only from year to year, but within season. I can remember talking to Snitker, uh, I want to say it was in July, and it and about their bullpen, because as you know, it had been a real issue. Like Will Smith mm-hmm. stunk for a lot of the year. I know, because my son kept sending me angry text messages. What's up with Will Smith? struggle. <laughs> and that same, basically, they took the same group of relievers that they had at the beginning of the year into the end of the year uh, into this postseason, And they were completely dominant. So that I, I thought that was pretty cool. They obviously do an extraordinary job of self scouting. And that's a big part of this. It's easy to sort of project what a team is entering a season. It's easy to take inventory of what a team is at the all-star game or at the trade deadline. But I don't know, like there are very few teams in recent memory that did a better job of building with what they had and obviously going to get some more stuff. And this collection of Braves team. I mean, this was a Braves team that was a popular pick to win the World Series before the season began. I was one of those people. I felt like an idiot halfway through the season. And then for them to get from there to here is a total organizational win on and sort of in all four pillars. Yeah, I thought Brian Snedker described it well. He said that he feels like his coaching staff is like a coaching staff of all-stars. And he's right. Mm. Ron Washington, Sal Fasano, uh, Eric Young, Rick Kranitz, on and on. They do have a – Kevin Seitzer, they have a phenomenal coaching staff. Let's talk about Freddie Freeman's legacy. Well, look, Buster, I know a lot of people were up in arms when Joe Buck, after uh, you know Freddie Freeman's home run, indicated that that might be his last swing for the Atlanta Braves. I personally had no problem with that. But that notwithstanding, there is no question that what Freddie Freeman did over the last two seasons puts him at least in the discussion for the Hall of Fame. And right now, Buster, at 32 years old, he's collected more than 1,700 hits. He's collected more than 43 wins above replacement. In consecutive seasons, he's won an MVP in in a season in which he was just awesome and started with COVID and was the best player on a World Series champion, the first Atlanta has had in a generation. So like, I don't think that Freddie Freeman is necessarily underappreciated. He's always a player that had hall of fame talent. We've always known that he was a hall of fame person and you have done an extraordinary job of, of highlighting that in your, um, you know, working with him over the years, but it's taken him until his early thirties to where he started to collect the items that people that reach the hall of fame have on their resume. Buster, do you think it is hyperbole to say this morning, that Holy, uh, Freddie Freeman over the last two years has put himself on a potential Hall of Fame track. I think he is going to be a Hall of Famer. I think you would agree with me. He's checked so many of the key boxes, you know, peak of career, uh, memorable moments, postseason. Uh, now, um, what he needs essentially to do at this point is just compile, right? Mm-hmm. By another four or five years, uh, you know, whatever he winds up deciding he wants to do, um, add some more numbers, hit some statistical benchmarks, but he's hit a lot of these. And and it's funny because when you talk about the legacy that he has, I also think this is going to be a big part of it in the conversation leading up to his Hall of Fame induction. Eventually, they're going to talk about what a great teammate he was, because uh, right now, and I believe this is part of the reason why the Braves won the World Series this year, their clubhouse culture, without a doubt, in my mind, is the best. And that Mm. starts within the clubhouse with Freddie Freeman, that you have a superstar 
who, you know, enjoys young players with energy. He's not like the grumpy old dog uh, who's angry that the puppies are running around. He really gets a kick out of it. He gives people a lot of space. He's very inclusive. Um, and uh, and as a result, the Braves have this, uh, you know, tremendous clubhouse culture. All right. You got a lot of attention uh, with work that you've done about the start and end times of World Series games, because you you basically are asking, hey, what about the kids? Mm-hmm. Buster, the average World Series game this year ended at 1148 Eastern, and that's sort of par for the course. What I did on Twitter was outline that, at least since the 60s, that the progression of World Series end times has obviously increased greatly since they started not only playing night games. That was for the first time they did so in 1971. But recently, obviously, we're starting these games at eight o'clock on the East Coast, and they're taking nearly four hours on average. So I merely posed the question, if we want to grow the game, is this really what we should continue to be doing? And I acknowledge, Buster, that this is not a new issue. You might even say this is not even an issue when comparing it to how some other sports do their stuff. But all I'll say is this, the overwhelming amount of reaction that I received anecdotally on social media and otherwise indicates to me that this really did strike a nerve with a lot of people that live in this area of the country. This is not to take away anything from what the Braves accomplished over the last week. This is a separate conversation, of course. But when you're watching the World Series now, you can't help but think, man, it's super late. Man, this game is taking forever. And this is, again, not a new issue. But but when I think baseball does need to sort of stare in the face as we approach the next CBA here, because as we as we look to continue to grow the game, as we look to you know, ensure that young people have access to baseball's most important moments, I think it's vital. I've talked to dozens of people over the last couple of weeks, whether it be through social media or otherwise, that tell me very similar stories. My kid wants to stay up and can't. I want to let my kid stay up, but he can't watch. And look, there are a lot of adults that can commiserate, those of us that, are, that wake up early like you and I do as, as part of this discussion. But most importantly, Buster, I do think it is vital that we give young people the at least the option, the opportunity to watch these games the same way they do, they're able to watch you know NFL games on Sunday afternoons, for example. So that's sort of where I'm coming from. You grew up at a time in which you probably you saw World Series games being played during the day, and also saw that sort of evolve into the evening. How would you assess sort of where I'm coming from here? Now, uh, look, I agree with you, uh, and I feel like that you know that uh, it, it's like as as we go through a season, we constantly add on to the pile of things that they really could fix. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get too deeply into it today, but I'm hearing more stuff at the World Series that the collaborative, cooperative relationship, which would serve all the people in the sport between Major League Baseball and the union simply does not exist in this moment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's funny because there's so many things that I think would really help the sport and to back up the start times by half an hour or maybe an hour, I think would really help it. But it, at this moment, it feels like asking for world peace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and that's, that's sort of what, where I, you know, what I fear as we, as we sort of come down this path with the CBA approaching and to make one more left turn here again, because today is all about the Braves and then winning a championship. I just want to run one more thing by you, Buster, a, a thought that I had this morning. And I think you might agree. And that thought was the job that GM Alex Anthopoulos did this season in making all of those acquisitions that were so incredibly impactful and meaningful for a team that most of us thought was out of it at the, at the all-star you know, break and even at the trade deadline. In my lifetime, I would say that there have been two seasons by a baseball executive that have stood out more than any other. 
those seasons are Theo Epstein in 2004, in which he made the controversial trade of Nomar Garcia Parra and wound up, you know, breaking the curse of the Bambino in part because of unpopular decisions he made midseason. And this one, I think those are the two World Series in my lifetime that were most impacted by in-season decisions by the GM. Again, a bit of a left turn, but what's your reaction to that? Um, my instinct, and because I covered the team at the time, I remember Brian Cashman, uh, you know, had really hadn't done a lot as general manager in 98, 99 with the Yankees in 2000, the team wasn't playing well. And he made a flurry of deals. I think he added seven players from late June on, and they wound up mm. being difference making deals. David justice, uh, you know, uh, I think they brought back Luis Soho, wound up getting mm-hmm. hitting the world series on and on and on. He kept on making these moves because he felt like they needed to get better. But that's, you know, that's within the context of the Yankees. What I love about what Alex did is in an era in which teams are tanking, right? Mm -hmm. Teams are deciding in December that they're not going to try to compete. Alex's record at the time that uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. down, they were a 500 team. They Mm -hmm. were behind the Braves. They didn't look very good. And quite frankly, when they traded for Jock Peterson, I don't think anybody thought, yeah, well, yeah, that's going to make up for Ronald Acuna Jr., This was a general manager using the resources that he had to run out the ground ball with Mm. the awareness that he was still going to get thrown out by 10 feet. He ran hard out of the box from the beginning of the year and ran through first base. He gave it the best possible shot that he had. And I hope that's a lesson for other teams that want to pack it in. I love it, Buster. And and as the Reverend Taylor Schwink has said for years, I mean, he, he invented this phrase. Fortune favors the bold. And this is just the latest example of one of these Taylorisms, you know, coming to life. And I think there is no question <laughs> that in this case, fortune favored the bold. Exactly. Way to go, Taylor. Way to go, Hembo. Thank you. <laughs> Later, boys. Get out of here, Hembo. That's Sick exactly of Hembo. Right. This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter and producer for MLB.com. And Sarah, I explained to Dave Schoenfield, I, I, my brain is mush at this point, so I'm going to absolutely need you to carry me as we go through this. Give me someone on the Braves that you're especially happy for, and it could be from, from you know, Alex Anthopoulos or Brian Snitkor or Freddie Freeman, whatever you way you want to go. Oh, my gosh. I mean, everybody. But, you know, what about Ron Washington getting so close when he was with the Rangers managing them? And I know this isn't a win as a manager, but just being part of this team. And I, I, you know, from all the reporting, everything we've seen, it really feels like he was a lot of the heart and soul of this team. I mean, overall, it's Freddie Freeman for sure. But it really felt like Brian Snicker is outstanding, but that Ron Washington really, really carried this team in a lot of ways just those videos of him doing infield practice with Ozzy Albies beforehand everything I it's hard not to be so thrilled for a guy like that yep you're right I I thought about that in the middle of the series about that how close they got in 2011 before David Freeze ripped his heart out uh with that amazing performance he had so you're you're 100 right that's a that's a great call let's play the numbers game number three Number three is seven. So each of the last seven World Series not played in a neutral site, so we're skipping 2020 for this, have been clinched on the road. That is the most consecutive World Series clinched at a certain type of venue 
in postseason history. So either most consecutive clinch on the road or clinched at home. And it's just incredible. I mean, you obviously were there and I, you know, got the opportunity to be at the World Series for a couple of years back a few years ago. And, you know, it would be great to see a home team clinch. I mean, it doesn't matter. And obviously uh, fans, fans travel, but hopefully we do get a home team clinch next year. Number two. Number two is 25 and two. So I really think this was a story of the World Series and really ended up deciding it. Home runs. Teams to out homer their opponents were 25 and two this postseason. And the Braves hit 11 home runs in the World Series. The Astros hit just two. So that plus nine home run differential for the Braves was tied for the largest by any team in a World Series with the 1956 Yankees. They hit 12. The Dodgers hit three. And, you know, it sounds simple to say, hey, hit more home runs than your opponent. But teams did not go undefeated in the regular season when they hit home runs. They wanted about a 700 clip. So it really seemed that that comes to the utmost importance when you get to October. Number one. Number one is one. So the Braves became the first team in postseason history to have an LCS MVP and a World Series MVP in the same year who were both acquired midseason. Of course, Eddie Rosario in the NLCS, Jorge Soler in the World Series. And I just think that's incredible. That's the story of their season. That's Alex Anthopoulos, all of the players that he acquired, replacing Ronald Acuna Jr. and keeping that team afloat. So Soler is only the third World Series MVP to be acquired midseason. Steve Pierce in 2018 with the Red Sox and Don Clendenin in 1969 with the Mets are the other two World Series MVPs. But this is the first time we've seen two of those in the same postseason. And that's the Braves. That's going to be the story of the 2021 Braves. Sarah, I think the Braves have a chance to uh, repeat this next year. And I wouldn't necessarily make them the favorites but they have such a great young core. And you think about the progression of Austin Riley. You think about Ronald Acuna Jr. coming back. You think about Ozzy Albies. You think about Max Freed. Uh, you know, I, I do believe they're going to re-sign Freddie Freeman. Mike Soroka potentially could be back. Kyle Wright looks like he took a step forward. Maybe he's going to be part of the staff next year. If you told me that the Braves were back in the playoffs as the National League East champions again next year, that would not be a shock to me. What about you? Absolutely. I mean, I think that this was a team that people would have picked entering the season because of all the players you just listed, because we were expecting them to have Mike Soroka. We were expecting them to have Ronald Acuna Jr. throughout the year. And we saw in those first few months through July just how incredible Ronald Acuna Jr. is. You know, Freddie Freeman was talking last night about how he sees him as the best player in the National League. And he certainly was leading that conversation before he got hurt. It's really hard to pick against a team that has him and also so many other players. So I think that, you know, it'd be a little bit different. I wouldn't expect them to win 88 games and win it again. I would expect them to dominate the way that people thought they might this year, 95 plus wins and potentially win it again. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks for all your work throughout the World Series. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Safe travels home and thank you for everything. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a glorious Wednesday after the World Series. First up, we have Spence at Texas Baseball Fan. Spence writes in, I can't decide who I'm happier for, Freddie Freeman or Ron Washington. Who are you happiest for? I say, why not both, Buster? 
Um, there's just so many different people and so many different levels. Look, Alex Anthopoulos, uh, the general manager, uh, I thought he did a terrific job. You know, it was kind of a bummer that he wasn't there at the at the uh, them actually winning last night. Uh, you know, Freddie Freeman, that was awesome. Uh, Dansby Swanson, you know, Vanderbilt guy, Kyle Wright, Vanderbilt guy, really happy for for them. Uh, I, you know, it was fun watching Jorge Soler go through Ozzy Albies. Um, and Eric Young, their first base coach, he's someone that I worked with on Baseball Tonight years ago. Great person. He was in tears at the outset of the World Series as he described what his experience would be. So a lot of people you're happy for. And you know what? I'm happy for Dusty Baker that he got this experience. As I, I mentioned, I, I think this is uh, pretty much cements it that he's going to get to the Hall of Fame. Got to be a Hall of Famer. That would be a travesty if he was not. Let's go to T. Jones at TNJ629. T. Jones writes in, what were the odds when Freed's leg was spiked in the first inning that they would win that game? What do you think, Buster? What do you think, Rev? I, You know, when I was watching it, I actually didn't think, I thought he was going to be okay. I don't know why that was the first uh, thought that ran through my head, but uh, maybe I watched too much soccer and they're stomping on ankles a lot over there, but I, I didn't have the feel of dread that I'm sure most people felt. No, and I think he got lucky uh, in that uh, the base runner, Michael Brantley, actually wasn't wearing spikes. He was mm-hmm. wearing cleats. So that was a really fortunate turn for him. And I, as I asked Max after the game, I, I got the feeling that he, it, that like completely woke him up. It was like a boxer getting punched with a jab in the, in the first uh, 10 seconds of a fight. And Max, you could hear it in his voice. He's like, I'm not going to let this happen again. Because he had that rough start in game two, and he was simply not going to relent. I, I think it got his back up, which is really cool. Love that. Let's go to Reggie at Greenfield of the Mind. Reggie writes in Buster Taylor and the crew. Thanks for your great work this season. Other than on championship night in 2017, when the series ends, I immediately turn to the hot stove before I ask my question. Braves fans, enjoy this because you may wait another 20 years or more. Reggie's question is, uh, will a bunch of qualifying offers get handed out or will there be a few? F- and for those players who get them is the smart play to say, thank you, but I'll take it and truly be free after the 2020 season, 2022 season, yeah. excuse me. Yes. There, there are a bunch of players who will get qualifying offers. All those elite shortstops uh, that we're going to be talking about all winter. They're certainly going to get them. Other players will get them. Most turn them down. Uh, I haven't dug into it really deeply, but every year now, it seems like there's one or two. I'll give you one. Steven Matz, for example, there's a conversation about whether the Blue Jays might give him a qualifying offer, uh, you know, set themselves up to, to have him on a one-year obligation next year. Last one for today, Michael Preston at McP1979 writes in, Hey, Buster and Rev, can you believe the Braves won a playoff game only using three pitchers, bringing it old school to clinch the World Series? Don't you think it was good to see a manager finally trust a starter's arm past the fifth inning? I was hoping this would happen, Buster, when I was watching. I was pleased that it did and, it, and that it worked out. And I was kind of bummed he didn't leave him past the, the, the sixth inning, yeah. right? I, I, you know, when I seen Brian Snitker in the spring, I, I w- I'm going to ask him about that. You know, he had 74 pitches in six innings. And, and in fact, uh, you know, doing the game uh, on ESPN radio, uh, Dan Schulman, Eduardo Perez, Jessica Mendoza, I think we're all looking at each other going, heck, you have a big lead. Why not just go bat- out to out? You know, get mm-hmm. Tyler Matzik up in the bullpen and have him throw behind. And if a guy or two gets on base, shoot, you can go to the bullpen then. 
Um, we were kind of hoping that he would coax it along and get uh, freed as many as deeply as he could in that game. All righty. That does it for Bleacher Tweets for the 2021 season. Send them in overnight during the day about uh, the offseason because we're going to turn the page quickly here. We'll have one more show before we uh, press pause as the offseason begins. So hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter and please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Following the podcast is more important uh, than ever as we enter the offseason. Our our shows will become a little more sporadic. Yeah, and that next show we're going to have is actually on Thursday. We're going to have Todd Radom with his last quiz of the year. Uh, And Jeff Passan is going to join us to talk about you know, what's to come in the offseason in terms of moves and also the labor negotiations. I heard some stuff this morning and it was really kind of scary, but uh, we'll get into all that tomorrow. That's it for today. My thanks to Dave, Sarah, Hembo and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast.